GothicMedia.com presents Consumption with hosts P.G. Holyfield, Chooch, Viv, and Christiana Ellis. Well, hey everybody and welcome to episode 12 of SpecFicMedia.com presents Consumption. Uh, this is our mostly weekly podcast where we get on and talk about uh, the media we are consuming. A lot of times we have guests where uh, that are also creating, so we can talk to them about what they're doing. But this week we are uh, San's guest, so we can talk about uh, TV and what have you. But we'll probably be focusing this week on the big movie release last Friday, Ender's Game, something we all have been looking forward to. And I... Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about today. We will, as always, do a non-spoilery discussion first. Uh, general impressions and things about the movie that we loved or did not love. And then uh, after we talk about everything else, we'll have a break, come back and talk uh, in spoilery terms about the uh, about the movie. So we'll be sure to uh, designate when that starts. So if you don't want spoilers, you can... Uh, Log off. Uh, we have a Q&A on the Google Plus event page. So if you are watching live and would like to uh, ask questions while we are uh, doing this, please do. And uh, Paulette is already out there. Hey, Paulette. And, um, hey, Paulette. <laughs> and on YouTube, you can post comments there as well, and we'll grab those as we can uh, and insert them into discussion. Uh, my regular panel of hosts are here. I'm always happy to see them. That's why I do this thing on a weekly basis, so I can spend time <laughs> with me, my friends. How are you, Christiana, this fine evening? I am doing great, although I am still somewhat disconcerted by the, the different way that the Hangout looks. I guess I hear that it changed last week. Yeah. I wasn't here. But, like, all of the little mini portraits are shifted over to one side instead of being in the center, and it's freaking me out. I know. You might even say that I'm nonplussed. <laughs> <laughs> my, oh, my. No, worth it. For that, though, right? <laughs> yes, Absolutely. that made it all worth it. Chooch, how are you tonight? I am here tonight. You're here. You're <laughs> I'm pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to see uh, Ender's Game last night. Didn't get out to see it till last night, and uh, didn't get in till like 1 a.m. So I'm I'm dragging a little bit, but uh, suck it up, Holyfield. Yep. How about you, Miss Viv? I'm we doing good. For everybody that's watching, this is Vivid Muse. You can't I, tell because she can't get well, a lower third on here for some reason, but hey. Okay, if Christiana is nonplussed, <laughs> then I am befuddled, okay? I just fucking gave up. The trouble that Christiana's having is the same trouble I'm having. <laughs> I just was fiddling around and picking brownie as my logo and just like all this weird... I just totally tangented, so I just said forget it. Uh for those that uh, follow along and uh, love the audio version, we're actually I'm actually <laughs> getting those posted, so we'll be caught up by the Ooh. end of this weekend as far as uh, audio, uh, the audio versions of the episodes, and then we'll hopefully uh, stay uh, stay in step. Well, and audio, I just want to so. say, PG, I I have a newfound appreciation for. Um, 
what you're going through because with something ventured, nothing gained, I made a decision to try to start doing more stuff in the podcast notes and it has taken the amount of time that it takes me to do an episode and like quintupled it. And so <laughs> I, I still have not put, I, we have two in the can now and it's been a couple of weeks since we actually even recorded the last one. So it'll be up yeah. soon, probably tomorrow, but, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, most, will get you. most of our uh, catching up is, is thanks to Chooch who has uh, taken over the editing duties uh, since we don't uh, don't add a lot of stuff like we do for the beyond the wall audio drop-ins and, and, and such so uh, he's yay saving me there and Viv takes some show notes and I try to try to flush them out for, for some of the posts but uh We'll see. We'll see if we can continue uh, doing doing good uh, show notes and everything. And uh, so this week, uh, we'll get to Ender's Game in a minute. But uh, I wanted to see if anybody has been uh, watching or listening or playing or anything else uh, things in the past week. Uh, we'll start with you, Christiana. What what sort of fun things have you been doing? Well, I think probably the thing that's occupying the most of my attention is that I decided kind of almost on a whim to do uh, NaNoWriMo this year. On um, a whim? I, well, I, I shouldn't even say almost on a whim because I literally decided to do it at 7 p.m. on November 1st. So <laughs> um, I, I really had not planned it at all. There had been occasionally those idle thoughts where people I see people preparing for it, for it and then I'm thinking, gosh, you know, it'd be kind of fun to do it again. Nah, I'm too busy. <laughs> and then, of course, just, well, because what the epiphany I had on the first was just like, so the what's the worst thing that could happen here? I'll get too busy and then I won't get all 50,000 words? You know what would also cause that? <laughs> Not trying at all. So right. <laughs> I figured <laughs> I would I would try it. So uh, that's been occupying a bunch of my time. But uh, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess nothing else comes immediately to mind. <laughs> Did you watch uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last night? I haven't seen the end yet. I've oh. seen about the first two thirds of the episode, but I haven't watched the end. Well, you see, this guy comes in. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed. There really wasn't a good like, uh, you know, the the capper at the end of the episode like they have sometimes. But um, well, they, ha they have a little scene, but not not you know. I won't spoil it. <laughs> you haven't seen it, Christiana. But I was going to say it's like I just said I haven't seen it. I'm not going to say what what happened. It's just disappointing. But yeah, that was the that was the first episode. Uh, since you haven't gotten to the end, there there there's a point where. Um, it would have been cool. And I was just in the back of my mind thinking, well, Thor comes out this weekend. Maybe Thor will show up and save. So, so, oh. and so, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I figured that would be just a cheap, uh, you know, MacGuffin or whatever, a deus ex machina to have him come in and do something. But still I was, well, especially given that the whole threat of the week is this whole like electrostatic Thank thing. You. And he is the God of thunder. He should have shown I his know. ass up this week. It was perfect. Yep. Would have been perfect. Um, you know, with the well, thanks a lot. You spoiled that he doesn't show up now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've ruined it for and you. Iron man's not there either. I mean, that's it. Show over. Yeah. But pepper's oh. there. Oh, oh spoiler. Oh, oh. Shit. Sorry. 
Yeah, I mean, I do, I do like that they've. I mean, I like the episode um, as far as you know the plot, and and I, I do like it wasn't a monster of the week. It was a yeah. sort of a uh, uh, fool you once type thing where it's it's you, know, you think it might be some sort of bad guy, but it is uh, something something different. And uh, well, I did cer- like that. Certainly, my opinion most of the way through the episode, but not done yet, is that I think it might be one of my my favorite episodes of the show so far, mostly just because I really love how much characterization we're getting from everybody. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, And I will say, though, that if they they keep drawing out the whole uh, Agent Coulson thing, um, (laughs) I will be upset because, you know, every episode they give a, a, a... you know, possible or what he thinks is going on, and and either it is that, which is fine. Let's just move on and not do yeah. this anymore, or it's something. You know, why don't they just tie up the central mystery of the show right away? Darn it! <laughs> I don't. You know, yeah, but it's it, not the thing. Yeah, yeah. But I'd be like five like minutes. Episode three of Lost. We have. Jacob show up and say, oh. hey guys, here's the thing. It's like a wine bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Season well, one can... of Friends, Ross and Rachel are together. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, all of you can okay. bite me. <laughs> but... It's still not going to happen, sorry. <laughs> but the fact that they come to it, come back to it every week and it's yeah. like, you know, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, let's check in with Colson and see, see what's going on and it's like, okay... You know, let's just do yeah. the story and, and get new stuff with these people instead of rehashing the you know the rusty feeling rusty joke is is getting a little yeah way way old. So let's let's move on from that. And I didn't don't think they did a an NSA surveillance. We're doing it because we know better this week. Which every episode um, so far they have done some some kind of mention. There was of there was something, but I can't find my notes. So why it's okay. Well, yeah, they did that. do the. Uh, they there did do something. the. They're scanning the first victim to see what's up with him, and Sky says she, he was clean, and then Ward says everyone's clean the first look. Right. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see something. how long. I mean, they uh, they've loosened up a little bit with Chloe by the end of the end of the episode, but uh, yeah, I like some of the busts on her. I, I really oh, liked yeah. where Ward comes in and he says the um, the night night pistol is announced too heavy and mm-hmm. then he leaves and goes comes back and they haven't done anything to it and says oh he fixed it and he tries it he's like yep good <laughs> yeah he left a dummy bullet in there and now it's an ounce lighter oh yeah, yeah sure <laughs> so Paulette says in Q and A I would guess that the Agent Coulson thing won't wrap until the season finale or next yeah. season's opener and I would I would agree I think by the end of the season we'll get something something agreed and almost certainly not before then <laughs> agreed uh, I also watched Sleepy Hollow on uh, Monday night I guess that's when it's on uh, it's still wonderful. Uh, <laughs> love it. That's my favorite show. New show of the. Oh my! Does it give uh, you the vapors? It does. <laughs> uh, John Noble from uh, Fringe and Lord of the Rings made an appearance. Uh, yet to be seen whether it'll be a uh, whether he'll be a recurring character. They certainly leave that possibility open, and uh, he doesn't do that anymore. So, yes, he doesn't do that anymore. But then ten minutes later, he shows up. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, any other TV you guys watched? That yeah, that was that for me. Sleep Bella is also, I think, the best new show for sure. Um, Walking ah, Dead I- had a new episode. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of uneven for me this season. It's still, you know, Walking Dead uneven. That no. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking about the same show? The one with the zombies, right? Right. Still, <laughs> and you know, the wildly of- uneven quality yeah. and pacing. There's still some really interesting moments, but <laughs> it just feels like it's kind of meandering around. And yeah, no, I well, I think there's some really interesting stuff happening, but I, I, you know, I, I have problems with what happened at the end of the episode, which I won't necessarily say because we're mm-hmm. still potentially in spoiler territory. But I, I had to um, admit that I, I, the, the last character we see. Um, in the episode, I wanted to smack him. Yeah. Oh no, I spoiled that it was a him. Agree. Huh. <laughs> Damn or, you uh, and your pronouns. Yep. Any other TV there, Chooch? What were you saying about about Sleepy Hollow? You're you're enjoying. Oh, just that, that I well? agree. Yeah, it's it's for for me definitely the best new show or most uh, consistently good new show. Hmm. Yeah, I'm really, really kind of drawing a blank because, I mean, we were home all weekend. We self-quarantined. We left to see Ender's Game, and we stayed in the rest of the weekend. What on what in God's name did we watch? Well, we've oh. still been doing rewatches. You know, we've been doing so Doctor we, we've Who we've been doing Doctor Who. So we are. The next next up is Blank. And yeah. I kind of were putting it off for, I don't know, a special occasion or something. <laughs> well, my favorite, my favorite awesome. episode is the, um, the Human Touch Family of Blood two-parter. With Martha Jones, and he goes back in time. He's got his body concealed. Spoiler in the pocket watch. His his. Oh right. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he doesn't. He's yeah. John Smith, and uh, he's a teacher at this school. And he falls in love, and he gets to see what his life might have been like if he wasn't born like this. And it was just most excruciating, and all that. And I just loved it and loved it. And so as soon as that's over, the next one that pops up is you know blink is the next one and it's like oh, we must savor this this little uh you know back to back little i guess it was a two part or is just what they call that kind of thing yeah right yeah have you gotten to the the one with the uh the the train and the creepy lady that mimics him, like says everything what that everyone else is saying oh, and then start saying it first that is oh, a yeah, cool damn oh, no that one hasn't come yet no 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 we're on our week this is probably the third or fourth watch for chooch and my second watch love it yeah, um I watched that uh, the new cartoon that's uh, being paired with Adventure Time and regular show now, uh, Steven Universe, mm-hmm. had a premiere on Monday. Um, I, I think if anyone likes Adventure Time and regular show, they'll like this one too. It, it's got a, a really sort of delightfully weird premise, which is that you have this team of all-female gem-themed superheroes, except that... Um, Apparently, one of their member, um, uh, I, I presumably she died, but uh, she had a son, not a daughter, and so the son has inherited the gem power, but he's just a kid, so it doesn't work yet. And yet, he's still technically part of the team, and so he lives in their headquarters and everything, but he doesn't really, he can't quite get his power to work yet. And he's just this <laughs> chubby little geeky kid that's huh. hanging out with this. <laughs> this team of gem themed superheroes 
it's pretty funny. What was the name of it? Steven Universe. Yeah, I saw an ad for it. I didn't quite know what to make of it. And I see the little interstitials for a regular show, but I still haven't watched a whole episode. None of the interstitials have really grabbed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I liked it. Um, I I'll, we'll have to see how it, um, how, whether it's able to sustain because mm-hmm. in a lot of these shows that are weird like that, you don't know if they're going to be able to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Right. Paulette says that she, uh, if you get, into anime, I watched Sword Art Online this past weekend and was really impressed. Another Aniplex classic, she says. Nice. Uh, what was that one? I, uh, the the uh, On Titan something? Battle Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan. Yes, I, I, I have that on my list of things to watch because I, I heard, uh, I guess it was a gaming podcast or some podcast where they were talking about stuff and somebody said that it was... Very good as well, so I'll definitely give that a try. I finally found Crunchyroll on uh, <laughs> Xbox or PlayStation as an app that you can watch stuff on, so I will do that. Um, so is everybody going to the 3D live show? I know you and Viv and Chooch said last week. When is it again? It's the What is it, the 22nd? Monday, okay. November 25th. And it's um it's a if f a t h o m e v e n t fathom event dot com and then it'll show you all the different you look you uh within that you have to look up Doctor Who mm-hmm. it's um playing I guess worldwide possibly just nationwide at uh, various theaters across the country and this one website has them all there and you can buy your tickets and all that stuff so yeah we're yeah. very excited to be going. I, I haven't looked into it at all yet, but it's something I would like to go to, so I might check it out. Yeah. Are you going, PG? I am not planning on it. I, I have the the kids that evening, so uh, we'll probably not. Uh, Fun for the whole family to do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I might change my mind, but uh, as of right now, no plans. I, I don't know. I've seen that the local uh, meetup uh, geek groups that I am belong to uh, are doing, you know, getting all getting together to go see it. So uh, uh, I'll I'll definitely continue to think about it, but no plans right now. Uh, <laughs> one thing I did want to talk about before we jump into Ender's Game is uh, a game that I have been that I found for the iPad and iPhone. Um, Called Device Six. Oh, I've uh, heard about it, but I I don't know anything yes. about it except that I heard someone say it was good. Yeah, um, it's done by a company called Samogo, and they did a game for the iPad uh, called Year Walk a few months mm-hmm. ago, which was really really good. Um, and it's one of those things that's a visual. That particular game was like this visual. Uh, part puzzle, part just sort of experience where it's, you know, a lot of uh, uh, sort of a mythological tale where you're, um, you know, it has a lot of text that you can read that sort of builds into what you're doing um, and it turns into this sort of mythological thing of, of your walking and you're finding all these Scandinavian myths in this snow, um, snow uh, forest forest with a bunch of snow and then there's there's uh 
again, you can it uses the it ends up using the iPads um, navigation and different thing you know with the swipes and stuff that you can do on the iPad and and other devices of course but uh, uh, in ways that sort of reminds me we've talked about brothers before where it's it's part 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 of the game experiences is using the mechanics of the controller to enhance the experience and, and that particular game does this. So device six, it's it's really. Let's see if I can I can do this so people can see it. So it's really a text uh, thing that you can that you can read. Um, but as you as oh, you scroll, cool. there's like these little picture windows, and inside the picture windows are different things. Huh. You know, that's sort neat. of like a cutout diorama type thing, and then it starts playing around like in this little text here is talking about going down the stairs and like the little the text sort of looks like stairs mm -hmm. and then you get to a certain point and you need to turn the turn and, and the swiping goes in a different direction and you know some of the visual th there's a lot of audio cues you get to a certain point and the and the volume will get louder and then there's a point here where you get to this thing and mm -hmm. like the Wow, that's pretty there's, cool. There's puzzles that are tied into some of the things that you're seeing in the background. Uh, like you'll see this, and you can sort of figure out that there these are words when you you know keep scrolling and say, okay, well one of the one of the words here is five, the number five, f i v b e, and then you get to a later point, and there's like a an audio cue that says uh, this is an addition problem, and you know at some point you saw you know it's uh, a, a picture with a number and a picture here and something, you know, so you, mm -hmm. so you see things and, or read things that sort of, um, give you enough information to solve some of the puzzles. Um, I haven't gotten very far, but it's, uh, um, I can tell, and from what I've read that, uh, it does a really good job of using the iPad, iPads and iPhones, uh, navigation and, uh, um, um, you know the puzzles and different things are integrated in such a way that it, you know it's just a, sort of a, a written text adventure, but it's you know, much more than that with all the visual and audio stuff. So uh, I'm definitely going to check that out. That that's kind of right up my alley. I love those sorts of things. What was the name um, of it again? It's called Device Six. And the only thing that I can tell that is referencing uh, like. A little ways in, it uh, the story, at least on the surface, is about this uh, young lady that wakes up and she can't figure out where she is. And at one point, the text sort of shows this picture of a brain, and it has like this sort of side text talking about device one, which is your brain and how your brain works. So uh, it looks like it's. Um, um, Device six, you'll find out later, I guess, what that means. Um, Paulette asks, device six looks like it was created by a poetry major. Does, does it run on Android? And the answer, I do not know. Uh, I know their previous game was iPad, uh, iPhone only, but I do not know if this one uh, has expanded its uh, devices and stuff. Um, you know, when once you mentioned that, that just reminded me that I had a couple of things that were actually from the previous week, but because I 
wasn't here last week. Ah, yes. I obviously didn't talk about them. Um, I ended up uh, that I did actually play uh, play Beyond Two Souls for PS3. Ah. I don't know if you guys talked about that at all. Uh, we mentioned it one week, but uh, I, I'm I've got it on my uh, red box. I'm going to run it at some point. That that's actually yeah. what I did, and I think I think that's uh, the way to go because you know ordinarily I I don't rent games usually I'll, I'll just go ahead and buy them but this one in particular um i i certainly don't regret playing it but it is also kind of it's about six seven hours of game that you very likely won't replay so mm-hmm. if you really want to pay 60 dollars for that i i'm glad that i didn't <laughs> right mm-hmm. um that said i don't regret paying the eight bucks it cost me to get it from redbox for a few days you know right um the uh, it's it's very interesting and i feel like it should be played because it's interesting almost more more than any aspect of it being good which is not to say it's bad i'm just saying <laughs> it's the interesting part is is really why you should play it um very much like you know so there's there's more games recently i feel like that are experimenting with the idea of what a game even is just in the sense of like, well, how much actual gameplay does there have to be to call it a game and not just an interactive story? Because uh, this one, um, there's a lot of cutscenes, and there's a lot of even the sequences that you're playing that are like, they're kind of like barely interactive cutscenes. Like, yeah, you're walking the character around, and technically, yeah, you use the joystick to make them reach for the door. But there's really nothing else to do except have the character walk over to the door and then open it. <laughs> so, you know, is that a game or is that an interactive story? And I, it's a little more the latter. And um, one of the biggest problems I think that it has is it does a very poor job of communicating to you when your choices will matter and when they won't. Because there's an awful lot of stuff that is kind of like, hey, you're walking through this room and, oh, look, there's a little teddy bear on the bed that you can interact with. And so let's you could just walk right by it. Or if you interact with it, she'll pick it up and kind of go, oh, and she'll kind of hug it a little bit and then she'll put it back down on the bed and then that's it. And And that's fine, except that there are other times where Hey, I noticed this little thing over here um, that I can interact with. Completely changed the whole scene. Wow. And it ends. The story does not have a lot of elaborate branching paths because there's, you know, everything ultimately gets funneled through the same key story points. But there are choices that don't matter at all. And there are choices that will completely change the actual chapter you're in, if not the overall story. And then there are choices that will actually affect the ending. But you'll play through not realizing that you could have done it any other way. And you'll only hear later someone else say, oh, you got arrested on the train? I jumped. I climbed up onto the top of the train. I had this fight with all these guys on the top of the train, and then I jumped off. And you're like, what? How did that even, like, I didn't even realize that I made a choice that led to my version instead of that version, you know? And so the game doesn't do a very good job, I think, 
of letting you feel like you're in control because you're doing stuff, but you very rarely feel like I'm making a decision right now and this is going to have an impact on something. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I've read is that, you know, uh, it's the same designer that did Heavy Rain, and mm-hmm. Heavy Rain is very similar in storytelling and branching Have- paths, but mm-hmm. uh, in the case of this game, or in the case of Heavy Rain, it was, it was very sequential, so you could mm-hmm. you could tell, oh, I didn't succeed in this thing, so yeah. this person died, and now I'm you know playing as right. this other person. Whereas in Beyond Two Souls, it's sort of a story told out of order. Yeah. So you, you you know you do something at a certain point in time, and then maybe the next scene is the same main character, but you know when she's mm-hmm. ten years old or something. So it's like okay, well I've already played a scene that's twenty years or ten years after this. Yeah, the story after- does jump all over the place in time. I mean that's that's just how how it tells its story. And I think actually the story is pretty good, and just the production values of how everything looks. And the acting and the motion capture and the graphics and just the just even the design of it is really great. And I I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, but it is also just like I said, there's a little bit of that that feeling of um there's just a lack of transparency in the game of how much what you're doing actually affects anything because there mm-hmm. are action sequences in the game where you can literally just put the controller on the table and it will go all the way through the action sequence and end at the same spot that it would if you had been <laughs> getting every single prompt but then there are other ones where things will turn out completely differently you'll get one version of a scene instead of a completely different version of a scene and mm-hmm. You know, like there's one where it's like, okay, she makes it through the roadblock and then ends up in this little town and there's this whole huge shootout outside a theater and there's helicopters crashing and trucks blowing up. Or you get arrested at that point and then you're in the back of a truck and then she escaped from that truck and it happens in the middle of the forest. And it's like <laughs> some there's sequences like that where the scene ends up completely different and yet they both end at the same spot. But frequently, you don't even realize what choice you made or what prompt right. you failed that caused that to happen. And, yeah. and so that makes it really frustrating, especially, um, and it, it really makes the idea of replay seem exhausting and frustrating. Now, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm glad that I played it. I recommend others play it. But, you know, just go in knowing what it is. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked before, and we we explored a little bit on our. We did a top ten video games of this mm-hmm. generation, where we talked about um, our favorite games of of the last uh, eight or nine years. But the the idea of in different games, you know, some games are telling stories, and they're giving you like with Beyond Two Souls, you you are having an in your individual story that may not have a lot of branches, you're still going to get to that same end point. It's just your mm-hmm. journey is going to be different than what other people yeah. have experienced or something mm-hmm. like uh, mass effect three, where you, you know, where there's a lot more branches because you've got all these relationships with people, you know, on your squads and, and, and different mm-hmm. things, but still you're getting to that end point and you realize, well, a lot of those decisions I made, they were good for my story, but it really has nothing to do with this final decision of yeah. what, you know, what I do here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got a storytelling 
method like with, with the last of us where it's where it's it controls it wants to tell you the story you're mm-hmm. going to experience it but you're really can't affect you know much of the of the of the story and the you know how you're getting to that end uh, but I, I do i do find it interesting that some of the complaints for beyond two souls are about that idea of or the difference between heavy rain where you had these branches that you know your story is completely different but then there's like 12 different endings based on what you've done in the game whereas this mm-hmm. sort of again funnels you back your your story is going to be different than everybody else's but it still gets yeah. back to that well that the, end the actual ending can be a little different based okay. on some some things like there's one big choice you make near the end of the game where it's just really obvious that you're making a choice but like I was saying, unlike, say, something like Mass Effect, where ultimately, you know, again, without spoiling too much of it, you're going to be faced with the same three choices at the end almost no matter what you did. I think actually one of them is only there if you've followed certain story elements. Mm-hmm. But assuming you've played through most aspects of the game, you're almost certainly going to have the same three choices no matter what decisions you made previously. But the decisions you made previously affected other elements of the story and the whole, the, the journey that you've told yourself as you got there. And when you made a choice, you knew you were making a choice and you were able to see what impact it had as opposed to the, the problem with beyond is you'll discover only by reading about it later that, Oh, because I didn't choose to have the ghost float through the wall at this point, I missed this whole conversation. And that means that, uh, you know, this scene worked out differently, and you would never know that unless you read up some, on someone else's playthrough later where they described that that's what they did, and you're like, well, I didn't see that. And, like, otherwise you would just, you would have no idea that there was any other option that right. you could have tried. Right. Well, I guess it's time to say goodnight. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we'll, uh, we'll talk about understands. <laughs> well, one, one last thing. This, this won't right. take long, but... Uh, I have a PS4 Ooh, you controller. bought the PS4 Ooh. controller, which has been on sale for a little yes. while. Um, I, cause I, I did pre-order the PS4 and so I bought a second controller with it and Amazon shipped it to me early. So I've got it. Awesome. And you can actually hook it up to the PS3, although it's certainly less than ideal cause it, it has to stay connected with the cable. Um, and it doesn't work perfectly for all games. I tried it a little bit. It seems cool, although um, mostly right now I want to be able to play it actually wireless and with the controls that all work right. So (laughs) it's fun to hold and play with, though. Yeah, (laughs) buttons and woohoo! I can pretend I'm in a video game commercial. Because people connect. play video games like this all the time, right? Uh, Actually, that's kind of what I do look like when I'm leaving. (laughs) And you can connect it to a. Mac and to a PC. Uh, um, yeah. Mac. Well, it'll connect to a PC and be detected and everything, but that doesn't mean that it's got um, mapped. It's mapped for games. You know what I mean? It's like the game doesn't know how to process it. It's like some random uh, off-brand thing. By the way, device six appears to only be for iPad and iPhone and i objects. <laughs> As of October, anyways. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure if this one, they, that company's definitely building a reputation with their games. Um, 
they, their first game was also well received, which I can't remember the name of, but uh, they, uh, yeah, if they keep doing well, I'm sure they'll expand to Android as well. I mean, uh, they're smart. Yeah, or maybe Apple give them money so they don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> so, <sighs> Viv, you've seen Ender's Game a couple times now, haven't you? Did you ever mm. see it twice or just once? We saw it twice. Awesome. Um, so who wants to go first? What did, what did you think about it, Viv? I loved it. I wanted awesome. it to be bad. I wanted to be able to come out and say, nobody needs to see it. The whole <laughs> controversy, don't bother. It's not worth it. But it was, yeah, it was really, really good. Yep. Many um, reallys. And Chooch, <laughs> did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. I, I did love it. It's not perfect. It feels rushed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's bits um, that I really like from the book that were missing. But overall, I think it's a great adaptation. I think uh, most people who've read the books will really like it, I would hope. And uh, people that haven't read it, I think it's still a great movie. I think they would enjoy it. But they'll be missing a lot of the emotional impact that I think it's kind of glossed over because of how they've accelerated things. Um, still be a great ride, still be a great story, but I, I think, you know, the book readers will have another, an extra level of emotional kick to it. Mm -hmm. Christiana, what do you think of it? I was a little bit more lukewarm. I think it it does a lot of things really, really well. Um, and really any, any complaints I had are, are pretty mild. I I agree. I, I feel like, um, the end in particular, without discussing what happens, I feel like there's some big stuff that happens at the end that it feels like the movie's in a hurry to get through. And I really just don't understand why, you know, another five minutes would have made a huge difference in, in how some of those scenes played, I think. But um, um, and then there was just one really weird casting choice. I don't know if it's really a spoiler just to say that the actor they cast as Bonzo, I mean, he had the attitude right, but <laughs> but what what <laughs> what? Yeah. Um. They. Yeah, I mean, this guy is supposed to be physically intimidating. They cast a guy who's like seven inches shorter than the kid playing Ender. Yeah, I I was very that. Oh. That kid was on the Hannah Montana show, and he uh, yeah. um, you know, he's just just this little guy that has a lot of attitude, which you know, in the, mm-hmm. that comedy show worked out really well because he's like four foot seven, and you know, mm-hmm. everybody you know was always funny because he was always trying to be mean and tough and stuff like that. And then you know, you see him in this movie, and the first scene was okay, and, and you could mm-hmm. tell that when they filmed the movie that the Aza as Aza Butterfield. Aza. The guy that played played Ender grew probably like three or four inches during the filming because like that last scene where you know or one of the scenes where they're together the two you know Bonzo and him and, and Ender's mm-hmm. like yeah I so four I inches just, taller you know and it's like the mm. thing is it's like Ender is not some scrawny little weakling we know he knows how to fight and he's got thirty pounds and seven inches on this this kid i don't care how mean he is he's not he doesn't feel like a physical threat the way i felt like that character should have 
Now, I, I don't want to blame the actor. I think he did right. a great job to the extent that he can. But, you know, sometimes just the, that physicality matters. And I, right. that one bothered me. It, it, that one didn't bother me because I've met so many guys that in, um, you know, whether it's at a convention or at a nightclub, um, I've got a plane going by overhead. Sorry for the noise, everybody. It's hot tonight. Um, so I have the window open, but I, there are plenty of examples of people that, um, have a chip on their shoulder. They're the shortest. So they feel mm -hmm. like they have to go in and they have to prove. And why is Christiana just a picture now? Wait, oh, uh, well, I, 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 oh, I, I saw you as just a picture for a little while. Oh, strange but, things are going on. Yeah. Um, anyways, but I, I mean, I didn't have a problem with it cause there've been so many common, it's, that's yeah. like a standard. It, I don't even think, I think it's more well, than a cliche. I think it's a fact. I can well no I can absolutely buy that there could be a character like he is in the movie. Mm. And so I didn't the I didn't find the character unrealistic. I just found him to not be the character from the book as a result. Yeah. You know, cuz the character in the book is not like that. And I'm not saying it ruined the movie for me, but every yeah. time he was on screen I just kept thinking why why did they go this direction? Because it it makes it almost comical, and that can't yeah. be what they intended. I guess I'm like... lucky that I don't picture. I never had a picture right. in my mind of of what he looked like. So as soon as he came on screen, I was like, oh fuck, yes, that's him. You know, of well, course he's short. Of course he's built his body. He's because he had a lot of musculature for his size. He buffed yeah. up his arms. Well, far remember more than too, like in the in the book, I think this was actually a good change. But in the book, Ender is considerably younger. Right. And Bonzo is supposed to be like five or six years older than he is right? Mm -hmm. and much bigger in the book. If, as yeah. I recall, I didn't look it up, but that's certainly yeah. the way I remembered it. But so again, like, I don't want to harp on that and I certainly don't want to blame the kid. I just, I just, well, of course thought not. it was like a weird choice. I just, I don't know why they went that way instead yeah. of, I'm yeah. surely there's plenty of actors who are a little bigger that they could well, maybe he was the yeah. only one that acted like bonzo my only guess was he definitely was, acted like bonzo yeah, mm. my only guess was that is that you know they accelerated things so i mm -hmm. thought maybe they were just mashing characters together so because when i first saw him i thought oh rose the nose because oh. <laughs> it would definitely have a better he has a nose, yeah. better impact yeah. if he was a Burly right. character. But so although I did have some nitpicks as, as I just described, um, I think a lot of things were done really, really well. I, I basically the problem for me is that although there are lots of books that I would love to see ad adapted into movies, this one I just I never felt like I wanted this one to be a movie. And mm. I didn't it's not like I didn't want them to make a movie. I just had never particularly felt like I needed a movie of it. And so, and not only that, but I had always thought of the book as one that would be really hard to make into a movie, not just because of all the stuff that happens that needs effects, but just because two thirds of the book is Ender thinking about stuff. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but on the whole, I think they did a better job adapting it than I thought they would be able to. Mm -hmm. Which and and I, I so totally I, I I really liked it. I think there's a lot of great stuff in it. I had some nitpicks, um, but like overall, I just sort of felt like I liked it. I I was glad I saw it, but you know somehow it still doesn't quite feel like the book did to me because I I really really liked the book. It was kind of a special book for me when I was when I was a kid mm -hmm. when I first read it, 
And this feels like it's almost a separate thing for me. Hmm. Well, I definitely, uh, I definitely loved it. And usually I can, I mean, I, I just could not distance myself from the book because like I said last week, one of the th- reasons I wasn't talking about this movie was staying away from it because I was just so worried it was going to be crap because <laughs> I just didn't think, I, I think I, partially I was like you, Christiana, I didn't, I didn't think they could ever do it justice. Sort of like Dune, you know, they tried and tried and tried to make Dune as a movie, but it's just not, you know, a filmic entity um even when they did it as a miniseries you know it was a lot better but it wasn't you know how you expect or what it would like it to be in the end but i was really pleased with what uh you know what they ended up with um and yeah i can usually tr- see like if i'm at a movie and i've read the book i can usually sort of see it or, or try to visualize it from someone who hasn't read the book whether or not they might like the movie or what they might, you know, miss or whatever. But I was amazed because I came out of it, I was like, man, everybody should love this movie. And and I was, you know, I'd stayed away from reviews and everything other than just hearing in general people were liking it. And then I went out and there's so many negative reviews from people. You know, even like on Rotten Tomatoes, it's only like at sixty percent. And yeah. I was just amazing. You know, I went and some looked at some of them and I and you know, I, I was looking at it. Well, maybe they just they you know either don't like science fiction or they you know uh, they hadn't read the book or they had read the book and it didn't meet their expectations. But they were just saying things about it being boring and wow. hating a lot of the dialogue and yeah, you, know, you get a lot of the science fiction dialogue and mm. you know. Um, so I, 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 I was, do feel like it, it's better for someone who has read the book than someone who hasn't. Yeah, read. I, I think the biggest. Uh, nitpick or, or uh, negative that I that I had, and, and it wasn't major, but it was something. That it, just the uh, not short shrift, but just the there was no de- real development of Peter and Valentine in the way mm-hmm. that they, you know, you don't get that emotional connection. Yeah. You do between her and her sister. I mean, Ender and his sister, but then you know, having just the one scene with a brother with Peter and it's just this, you know, right after the fight he just had, he comes home and has a fight with his brother and, you know, he sort of shows that he's a psychopath cause he's, you know, choking him out and all that stuff. Um, and it's like, okay, well that's all we get out of him. And then a couple mentions of, he was, you know, thrown out of the Academy because he was, you know, too violent or had those tendencies, but you know, you, uh, something we said last week when talking about it, you weren't here, Christiana. You know, I, I, they made the right choice. They couldn't do a lot of the stuff with Peter and Valentine and the the political side of things mm-hmm. and that that part of their life, how it affects much. things. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, sort of like talking about uh, Ender and a lot of the book is his his thoughts. You know, having a movie where Peter and Valentine are sitting at the computer writing treatises <laughs> to each other and well, and, and besides, things. that was just so unrealistic in these modern times. You know. <laughs> Anonymous people communicating over some global information network Anonymous. and actually influencing yeah. public opinion. I just, you know, people trolling. don't buy that these days. It's yeah. like <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, I thought that you know some of the emotional impact that that you got in the book, just with the whole family relationships and how how that truly affected him. Uh, I didn't think you quite got got that in the movie, but uh, mm-hmm. overall, it did. 
did love the movie, and we can uh, talk more details after the uh, after the break. Uh, yeah, I wish they would have added fifteen minutes or so to have more of the family dynamics and uh, um, well, a little well for spoilers, they could have added another piece fleshed out another piece a little more it's funny how you saying people were bored because i thought i mean this was two hours and to me it didn't feel like two hours at all it just flew by um, i think the book is so huge when you when you when you take out that whole political aspect with mm-hmm. with valentine and peter you take out a good chunk of the book so i think that's part of why i felt like it, it ended it was over really quick what do you think Chooch? Yeah, yeah, it, it didn't seem like it. It really rested. There were no wasted yeah. moments. I, I I see what you guys are saying, and I, I I agree that that's that's kind of a thematically it's a it's a big part of the book. But at the same time, I I feel like if you're gonna make a movie, that that's the stuff you have to cut. I mean, not mm-hmm. only is it not very visual at all, right? But it also is just not really critically part of the central story and you know i mean it, this... it influences ender but it doesn't actually contribute to the plot yeah. right that's not the story that's being told yeah maybe it's more just how they chose to represent especially peter um you know just the, that whole little okay and i know it's pulled from the book uh, i if I remember right, you know, but the idea of Peter putting on the mask and having this fight and it's like, it's it's, well, like it's also that Ender is six when that happened. Yeah. Right. Book. right. So, and so <laughs> it just, it just came across as a little bit, you know, I don't know. just didn't, didn't really work in that. In I that took regard, that as but. a callback of something that they used to do. Mm-hmm. And so no, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that's how they present it in, in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was really grateful after some of the things that they've had to do with Game of Thrones. I was really relieved that they decided to keep this a non-sexual story, meaning that, mm-hmm. you know, Petra, although she was of an age that I'm sure that they had to kind of conceal the fact that she had um, any kind of a bosom going on, you know, all the girls were flat-chested or they see, appeared to be flat-chested. They, I think they did a good job of keeping keeping the actresses young enough that it wasn't obvious what their age was. And wow, the performances, I mean, Abigail Breslin, no surprise there, but the girl that played Petra, who to me, well, I don't know. Haley Stanfield. She was in, uh, she was the girl in the Coen brothers remake of true grit. Right. Right. But I mean, what I I was going to go totally different place there because she symbolizes something else for me in the story. But I mean, just like the casting, even with Bonzo being shorter, not much taller than Bean, if I remember correctly, when I try to line up the actors as as I remember their heights. But um, I think that they did a really good job in making them look young without making it obvious that they're traumatizingly young. And um, I, I think that they kept a lot of the spirit that, and I've only read the book once, and that was five or six years ago. So, you know, I don't have a long, rich history with it or anything like that. But um, coming as a, as someone that absolutely fell in love with it, um, I'm very happy with the translation that they did. And, and I had a conversation with, um, there was a kid about 14, would you say about 14 years mm-hmm. old, Chooch? sitting on the other side of me. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, we were talking and I mean, it was obvious the poor kid probably looked over at us and was like, oh, Jesus, God, they must have read the book like 500 years ago. These old people crying next to us. <laughs> but like so after the movie ended and um, and so, you know, there's like people leaving and there's a log jam and we always like to see the credits and, you know, spot names and stuff. And I asked the kid, I was like, so, you know, what did you think of the movie? And he said, oh, I really enjoyed it. And I said, did you read the book? And he said, no, I was kind of thinking about it. And I might now. I said, well, if you like the movie, you'd probably like the book. It it goes at a different speed, but, you know, it, things will make a lot more sense to you. And it's a, a richer world. And, and then it was just like um, a little while later, I went into the ladies' room and I heard these two probably 18 or 19-year-old I am so picking the movie next time. She was bitching to her girlfriend like she just couldn't stand this sci-fi movie with all these kids running around and shooting each other and stuff. So it was interesting to hear that, you know, the 14-year-old guy, Doug, at the 19-year-old chicks were just bored out of their minds. And, and it's kind of a hard movie to watch because of, of what you're seeing these kids go through. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, at what cost that you save the world, that you've traumatized how many children with this process? <laughs> I was really yeah. happy to see the diversity among the cast. You know, they had mm -hmm. a lot of different kids. I had a, a moment when you were talking about how, um, um, you know, they've taken sex out of all of it. And I had a moment where they mentioned something, uh, I think where they were in the first bunks and mentioned something about the bathrooms and it made me think about, wow, it's the future and they're still sticking with binary gender and, and, you know, like, yeah. they could have done something more progressive. But then I realized he didn't say there's boys and girls bathrooms. He said there are restrooms appropriate to your gender. Mm. But, um, I was a little disappointed that Ender only ever receives direct sympathy from female characters. Other characters might be nice to him or they might give like an empathic look because they're doing something that they don't want to do, mm -hmm. but it's only women who ever comfort him. And from the well, book, I know he had a much more intimate relationship with a lie and mm -hmm. they, you know, they shared a lot of, you know, great touching moments and yeah. they had a little bit, they had a little nod to that, but that annoyed me. Well, you know, this is something we'll get into more when the uh, when we get to the spoiler section, I'm sure. But like, so I, you know, let me preface this by saying I love the book, and I, you know, it was a formative book for me when I was when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. But there are some really problematic things about some of the storytelling and the philosophy in it, and I'm not talking about like the controversy with Orson Scott Card. Um, more recently, right? But because I don't think generally the homophobia and that sort of stuff, there's not that's not in the book. So I and it's not in the movie, and so it's not that that I'm talking about. But just some of the stuff, the characterization and the themes. Some of it is a little bit dubious ethically and philosophically to me, which I don't doesn't make me not like the book. Right. And in fact, it's almost to the contrary is because it's complex in that way. It's thought provoking. It's challenging you. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. I think that that was, you know, part of the reason for the book was sort of the, a commentary on, you know, the military and the idea of, you know, even in our, in our world, sending our youth to war while, mm -hmm old people make all the decisions that get us into war, but this just taking it to the extreme of, you know, 
kids are oh, good yeah. at video games, so they mm. can <laughs> yeah. they can do what needs to be done. But uh, yeah, they sort of gloss you know gloss over a little of the whole uh, you know why why are kids being used? You know they have the one you know the three lines of oh they can process information better and do what is needed better than adults. Um, and I liked how they they pretty much glossed over the the whole idea of the Ansible as far as a sci-fi mm-hmm. you know, thing mm-hmm. of instantaneous communication, no matter how far you are away. Yeah, so, see mm-hmm. that that's another example of again. I mean, where I think we're very starting to veer really close to some of the stuff that's more spoilery, but like. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that I think is exactly the sort of thing that they needed to spend a little bit more time on because just some of the details of how that stuff works ends up mattering in what happens. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I really wished that they hadn't glossed over it. And in fact, I think mm-hmm. that's all the more reason why the, the movies may be even better for people who have read the book because they do actually understand what's happening um, as opposed to, someone who's new to it, who could, I think, be reasonably forgiven for not figuring out what they're even talking about at the end until they really just drive it home. Yeah. Right. Uh, I did want, uh, we'll get to the, so we can talk about the this actual stuff in the spoiler section, but I did want to, because we sort of stayed away from the whole political conversation, you know, the, the Orson Scott card, situation and the protest and and the you know whether whether people should or not there was an article i wanted to mention that is just excellent read um there's a website called grantland.com which is a great website anyway for things uh but there is a a story there called stranger in a strange land it's written by uh he's a sports writer but he's a muslim a, a white Muslim, and he writes a story about growing up and how Ender Ender's Game affected him as a Muslim, um, because it, you know the book itself is you know a lot like we talked about different different races in the book and and just sort of the include inclusivity of of that part of the book and the fact that there was a Muslim character in the book mm-hmm. that we mentioned uh, a lie and the idea that once once he found out that Orson Scott Card was a Mormon. And, you know, that it took a, uh, a white religious person, not a Muslim, to represent a Muslim character for the first time <laughs> in this person's life in a positive light. Um, you know, that Morrison Scott Card pretty much became this guy's hero. And he talks about writing letters wow. to him when he was a teenager and, you know, all this stuff. And then he started seeing how, um, how he had this appearance or, you know, his, his Orson Scott card, whether he, he would just have this persona and he always had these feelings about uh, homosexuality or he just, you know, he changed over time because, you know, just of you know, his life or what have you mm-hmm. um, and just how it affected this person. And um, it's just a great article. I, I recommend uh, I recommend anybody reading it that may not understand the whole story of what, you know, people are talking about when it comes to, uh, Orson Scott Card and and that sort of thing. Then we'll get too into it here because I don't do the political religious discussions on this show yeah. <laughs> much anywhere. But uh, it's a great story. Again, it's over in Grantland. Uh, it's called Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, and I'll put that in the in the show notes as well. Um, 
One other thing, anything- non-spoiler about the movie, um, we did end up seeing it in a regular theater, and then we saw it in IMAX. And the IMAX, you know, looked and sounded absolutely phenomenal, but I don't think it added anything to the experience. I think the, the mm-hmm. content, the story was so compelling that on a regular screen or on an IMAX screen, I thought it was equally as good. I, I agree with that. I don't feel like I don't feel like we had to have IMAX. It was kind of overwhelming, especially when they were in the uh, in the uh, the battle school battle room. Battle. That was almost. That wall of visuals was almost too big. It was definitely too big. But yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. feel like it needed the IMAX. I was really happy with it on the standard screen. I agree. Yeah, and for um, people who read the book but haven't seen the movie yet, Battle Room, The Mind Game, Command School, <sighs> it's all there. It's mm-hmm. all good. Amazing. <laughs> I was I was surprised that um, I, I guess. There's, I guess there's a connection towards the end, which is maybe why they felt like they really needed to keep it. But the mind game was the thing I thought for sure they were going to cut that they kept. So that was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I for the plot point, I, I agree. I, that's you know they kept the mind game, and we'll talk about it in the spoiler because that was one thing that that really I thought was uh, it didn't work for me, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But um. Uh, is there anything anybody want to talk about non not about the movie before we go? Um, we've been watching the IT crowd TV wise. It's been really fun, yeah, and awesome. That's a good show, and it's totally awesome. derailed all my other plans. <laughs> yeah, so. that was that. That was the show that I uh, made Kim watch first. The first real geeky show to see how she would react, and she loved it. So I was like, oh, <laughs> she can survive that. She can survive anything that yeah. we could throw at her at Balticon and Dragon Con. Yep. Did she try turning it off and turning it back on again? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, that uh, non-specific on Showtime, I saw my first teaser for the next season of Shameless, which is coming back in January. Oh. Which is an amazing show. I'm, I don't know why, but I'm so hooked on that show. Uh, William H. Macy, <laughs> Emmy Rossum, Joan Cusack. Horrible, horrible, oh horrible people who do terrible oh. things. <laughs> and it is so addicting to watch. It is. Because yeah. they don't mean to be horrible. It just happens that way. <laughs> Far more innocently than it happened with Walter White, I'll say that. <laughs> Hey, well, everybody, I uh, hope you enjoyed our discussions tonight. If you have any uh, questions you'd like to uh, leave or comments that we can talk about on the next show, uh, feel free to send us an email at uh, consumption at specficmedia.com or leave uh, uh, comments on the YouTube page. Uh, we also have a phone number at 704-981-1736. You can give us a call, and we'll get that on next show and otherwise we will see you next week uh we'll have a special guest i believe if everything works out and we'll uh talk about uh i don't know we'll talk about other than uh, <laughs> what we're doing but i don't think are there any movies oh, i'm Thor sure comes there's out this something there's thor out this weekend i think we spent and, all of our entertainment money on ender's game though <laughs> yeah, so we'll figure that but out there's but, a dark uh, world it is. We have to see what happens in the dark world. We will. We I may have just to have say, to wait until next payday. The commercials for Thor aren't really exciting me that much. I've, Other than Natalie Portman. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm sure it'll be a spectacle and all that, but I don't know. Something. Well, 
I'll mm -hmm. I'll confess that there's a part of me that's more excited for what the end credits movie will be than than yeah. uh, mm. the movie itself. Sneak it's in. Like, that well, that's one of the genius about how they've started setting up this Marvel Cinematic Universe is that we've just come to expect all these little clues for the next thing, mm -hmm. um, uh, in in each you know the end credits sequence and so anytime you go to the movie, there's part of you part of it that you're excited for that movie, but then also part of it of like oh and guess what and what's the end credit thing going to be? Yeah. I think I've I think I've heard that it's maybe Guardians of the Galaxy related. Although it's not, that's not the next Marvel movie coming out. So I, I don't Cap's know. It's the next one, isn't it? Yeah, Cap, Cap 2 yeah. is the next one. Yeah, I, I must admit, I uh, sat through all the entire credits of uh, Ender's Game just to see if there's <laughs> going to be something, uh, some teaser. Not that they're going to do a sequel. Speaker, speaker, <laughs> speaker for the Dead is, I don't think they could pull that it off. That would be an movie. even harder one to make. Yeah, but. I think that well, like the the Ender's Shadow, maybe something with that. Um, I, I, Beam was probably my favorite character. They would have had to have filmed that along with this, otherwise it's just yeah. not going to look right. But if if they don't, if they didn't yeah. get them looking the same, like Peter Jackson style, then mm -hmm. it, I just don't, I just don't think it can work. Well, and I also think, I mean, don't. I feel well, like he, Ender's Shadow only works because it came so much later than the original mm -hmm. one that it mm -hmm. felt like a way to revisit this old mm -hmm. story. As a right. direct sequel coming right after this one, it would feel like they're just telling the same story again from another character's point of view. That's weird. Well, Ga Gavin Hood's uh, his original idea was to film them both at the same time. Mm. Um, you know, doing something a little different probably with Ender's Shadow, but... Uh, you know, it might have been an interesting experiment, mm -hmm. if nothing else. But it was decided wisely that they needed to do one movie well and not try to do two at one time when yeah. you don't know if uh, if it'll work. So, um, so thanks everybody for uh, hanging out with us. Um, and <laughs> it was really good. Go see it, or yes. or don't. Wait until it's free if it offends you. And if you would like to stick around, we will. Uh, Jump into spoilers in the next few seconds. So thanks, everybody. Bye. And spoiler. Spoilers. <laughs> You're soaking in it. Mm. <laughs> okay, so how about Zax Zaro Zaxus as Dap? Yeah, okay. My problem with that... <laughs> no, I, I, loved, I loved him. I'm glad they made him I, like I liked, him. I liked that. The whole, uh, what really bothered me, and I don't know why it bothered me so much, is that you've got the whole thing about, I will never salute you. And then he salutes him like 10 minutes later. Yeah, and I then, agree. That was, and that then was... he salutes him right before the end battle, which is when his, he should have saluted him for the first time. Yeah. yeah and yeah, I'm just I... like, why the hell did you do? I mean, that was just yeah. stupid. It blew their wad a little early. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. That, that's Gotta the one thing that bothered me about him. But yeah. Hmm. So um, let's just jump right into the, the, the whole reason why it's called Ender's Game. Um, the, the big mm -hmm. twist. It's all in end. his mind. Yeah, it's all in his yeah. mind. He's actually dead. And, it's, uh, it's Jumanji. And yes. <laughs> you know, um, you know, the end of Ender's Game, the, the novel was, you know, I, I read it when I was 17, I think, and it, it blew my fucking mind, yeah. you know. And that was the, you know, how are they going to pull this off in a movie? You know, obviously it can't have the same effect on me having read the book or people that have read the book because you can only have that once. Um, 
have it being that meaningful, sort of like Ned losing his head. Um, you know, you can only have that once, and and so you're just sort of looking, when is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I thought they pulled it off very well. You know, uh, Asa Butterfield is a great little actor, wow. and he well, no question body. there. I think he knocks it out of the park. Yeah. His his performance is yeah. impeccable. It's one of the best things about the movie, I think. Um, I I felt like the whole reveal though. Now, I don't I don't want to say they should have been like super heavy-handed with it. Um where they should have just had, you know, Harrison Ford come down and say, "You see, a nerd it was never a simulation at all and yeah. here's how we actually tricked you and we did it because this and this and this." I'm not saying that it needed to all be just laid out paint by numbers or anything like that, but I just felt like it was just so abrupt. And then, like two minutes later, we're already at this. Oh yeah, he's just gonna. He's like, they gave him drugs to make him sleep, and then he's running outside two minutes later. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and just that that whole sequence felt like I wanted it to be three times as long. Yeah, I wanted this to sink in. I didn't mm-hmm. want it to be. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you found out, and I'm really mad. But then, um, well, moving on. What you gonna do? And because the thing is, it's like part of what made this book so kind of like important to me in a in really way, because it really came at exactly the time that I was starting to figure out as a kid that adults will lie to you, <laughs> and that was something that I was kind of internalizing already from some other stuff going on that I won't get into here because it's not worth it, believe me. But mm. the just going through that kind of thing and then seeing it in in this, this this idea that, you know, they they used him so thoroughly. And like and they knew, well, if we told you you wouldn't do it. So we had to lie to you. And that just resonated in my brain so powerfully. And so really I felt like going into the movie, I wasn't thinking, oh, are they going to do the mind game? How are they going to show the combat school? I was thinking, how are they going to do that part? And I felt like it wasn't bad, but it just felt like they were in a hurry. And I don't understand why. I think because it was already two hours, you know. I they, yeah, well, yeah, but it couldn't have been two hours and five minutes. Right, I I, I, I totally yeah. agree. The the like I said, if they would have added fifteen minutes, have a little more development with mm-hmm. uh, with Peter and Valentine and their dynamic, and I would have liked mm-hmm. to see a lot more build up to his connection with the Queen. And, mm-hmm. and clearly, yeah, because that was the other thing too is that you know we saw her in the mind game. But otherwise, there was just really no explanation whatsoever to, oh, well, we think they might have had a hive mind. And so if there's some way to communicate and, oh, I guess I saw her in this LSD trip of a video game. (laughs) Therefore, there's one out there that I should go see. And it's actually 100 yards from the base where I'm at right now. Yeah, great reconnaissance team there. They, they were, did a really awesome job checking out the planet. Two yeah, queens, I mean, one of, one three of the blocks worst, away. Yeah, one of the worst things was the the 
the line that Viola Davis has where she's like, I don't know how that got into the game. Yeah. You know, where she's talking about the, the, the stuff that happens in the game, you know, and but they were they upset about see. Peter and Valentine being in there. They don't say anything about there being a bugger mm-hmm. in the game. Right. Well, you would imagine that most of the people have that buggers is the name for the formics that you hear in the books a lot. We mm-hmm. only heard it a, a handful of times in the Oh, yeah, they the didn't show, say I it think. at all in the movie. They don't say it at no, all. No, they, they said it. They reference they, bugs, but they never say buggers. No, because when Peter's choking Ender, he, they're, they're calling it bugs, buggers at that point. It only it occurs mm-hmm. in... Okay, he well, I heard him say it. He said to play And then they yeah, were I, th- I think Shooch is right. Okay. Anyways. I think they maybe say bugs at some point, but but not buggers. I, I agree. I think that they were very wise to leave that out just given the the controversy. You know what I mean? It's like it's not a direct connection, but there's enough there that it could piss people off. A little buggering so never hurt you. anybody. What are you saying, Viv? <laughs> I derailed you. I don't know. I'm trying to find it. Sorry. It's okay. Um yeah, but the idea that that the queen is communicating to Ender through the game, even the when fact. he was light years away and had right. no idea what was going right. on, he had so, not yet even been promoted into the game. How right. is it communicating with him? We get no setup for any of that, and so, like I like, but I didn't even mind that as much because I feel like I'm willing to accept with suspension of disbelief an awful lot of things when it comes to plot, if they get the emotional beats, right. And that's where I felt like it was rushed. Mm -hmm. So I thought how they, they messed with the, they messed with like traveling. They moved where command school was They're They're saying they're like right outside the home world. Like suddenly they're going to go in hypersleep and they're going to be there in a month. Yeah, that weirded me out because I couldn't figure out what they were doing. And I, I had it's been long enough that since I read the book that I couldn't remember if that's how it was in the book. But I was just thinking, like, wait, what are they doing? And I thought for a second, it's like, are they going all the way out there? But how would they catch up? I mean, the whole point is yeah. this fleet's been going all this time. And yeah, what? It takes, it takes <laughs> so, 50, yeah, whatever. It takes now, 50 I mean, years to get ultimately there. Ultimately, it was and, fine. And obviously, someone who you know, hadn't read the book, wouldn't be confused because they wouldn't know there was something to be confused by. Yeah. But my uh, guess was it was laying kind of seeds for the, the twist at the end. They laid mm-hmm. a couple things that, that bugged me when that happened, but I think it's to, I don't know, to make it more plausible. I have yeah. to watch, I have to watch the movie again, but was there's a one point in the movie where, excuse me, uh, Colonel Graf is looking at the, uh, his screen and it's showing like the fleet approaching, mm-hmm. but it looked like it was the way it was set up on the screen and the text on the screen. It almost made it look like it was the formic fleet coming to earth and they only mm-hmm. had like 18 days left. Oh uh, no, it, it, it showed and, their detection perimeter. So they would be, yeah. the formics would be able to detect them in X number of okay. weeks. And that, and yeah, that was, so, that, was yeah. that, that confused me for like the next 15 minutes of the movie. I was like, Oh, are they changing the movie to make it more that there is an imminent threat threat to earth, mm-hmm. you know, instead of the whole idea of they're not even really moving to attack us. It is, you know, but then 
it didn't end up being that way. So uh, it was just one of those things where I saw something and it, I didn't quite see it and s- interpret it the correct way or see enough of it to understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I wasn't confused, but I do think I I could understand how that could happen. Um, but yeah, you know, having the throwaway line about the Ansible um, and you know the instantaneous communication, which I think was not really to explain anything other than to say after the movie, people that may not have read the book could say, Oh, so they did talk about that whole instantaneous communication. So I could see how they mm-hmm. could make this whole video game as real battle. Well, work. and in, it's uh, kind of a contrivance in the book too, really. Oh yeah. I mean the whole, yeah. And it's been used by other authors as far as, mm-hmm. okay, we need to get around the whole idea of, uh, you know, time displacement and, and the fact that it would take hundreds of years to travel somewhere unless you are, uh, I mean, unless you're talking about, you know, changing how space travel works with wormholes or whatever, but the whole idea of being able to, uh, uh, communicate. Yeah. Here's, here's a a thing that I want to ask you guys about. What was the deal with, they kept saying, drone pilots drone pilots and then they would show with what looked like kids with robot masks on Mm -hmm. like what i think what they were doing there is is sort of giving another the whole idea of you know the five kids are controlling or giving orders and these guys are sort of the you know, the next level, and then they are communicating directly with, in the game, yeah. uh, these drone pilots, and they're calling them drones, but in reality, it's it's actual, I would, I, I'm thinking that there's actual people in all these ships and on these. No, I think know, the, they the were, reality. they were piloting the drones. Yeah, were, and I, I, so I did get that impression that we hear that there were real people on the carriers. carriers yeah but I don't know why they felt like they wanted to combine that with this drone pilots thing, unless it was just to try to be topical. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ah, I guess that's possible. I don't know. For all I know that that's exactly how it was in the, in the book. And I just don't remember. It's been a while. Yeah. I don't recall specifically if they were drones or not, but it was a little weird. I guess they were supposed to be like air force commandos or something with their little face masks <laughs> yeah well i just i i felt like the imagery was confusing in the movie because we never see them take the masks off and so mm. it was like are they supposed to be like cyborgs or something what's going on here <laughs> they're robots yeah so, i just yeah. assumed that they were they were taking orders from the main kids mm-hmm. and dispatching the other i didn't think about it that much it yeah like so i think input. You know, we're talking about a lot of nitpicks, but um, one one of the things I'll I'll praise the movie for is that um, first, although the the like the the zero G battle arena thing looked very different than it did in my head, um, part of the reason that I always thought of it as a very difficult story to to do is that in addition to the special effects, that would require I'm also just thinking. There's so much in those sequences where we only know what's happening because we're in Ender's head who's explaining everything. But it would be very, very difficult to communicate any of that visually. But I thought that they did uh, an incredible job, honestly, because they first they realized 
There's an awful lot of that stuff from the book that they really just didn't need. They, they can have just a bunch of crazy stuff happening and they don't have to really explain it in detail. But some of those key moments, they really just were able to deftly show us what was going on. Yeah. Like the whole thing with Bean going out on a rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that was, um, that was awesome. and some of that stuff. And then their, their whole little formation that they, you know, they just <laughs> basically, they're completely <laughs> plastered around. <laughs> Ally, so he's, uh, uh, yeah. So he's protected, and, you know. And I thought they had, they did a really good job of, you know, building to that like the first time that they're in the battle room, and Bonzo sends you know the two guys with Petra behind them, you mm-hmm. know, and they're taking the fire so she she can shoot, and she you know gets like eight of them or something. You know, I thought that was a mm-hmm. good building to the next step of okay, we can build this tank, you know, um, yeah. and then you know there's more in the book to that, yeah. but it, it made sense as a progression of him figuring out, okay, well, if we do a two person shield, what happens mm-hmm. if we can, you know, as long as one person doesn't get hit, you know, it doesn't matter how many people get hit. We can right. get through that, get to the other side, then we're going to win. Yeah. So. And, and I think that the only thing I, I wanted them to have shown a little bit more was um, the, the, that, because they talked about it, this idea that, um, we orient ourselves where the enemy's gate is down instead of trying to do it sideways because there's really no up or down. So you can have it be whatever you want. Um, I, and they say that, but I didn't feel it yeah. in the sequences. Yeah. I mean, especially in the battle room. I mean, it was a good lead to the mm-hmm. final battle when he sa- when Bean says the line, you know, about, yeah. oh, well, you know, the, end, the world is down and he does the thing with tilting the view. Mm-hmm. But they really didn't visualize it like you're saying in the battle room. The whole idea of instead of going across, let's turn it so we're mm-hmm. going down, even though there's no gravity. Let's well, because the, the, the thing is, <laughs> even though it sounds good, it's actually not very practical. Because if you imagine saying, "All right, we're going to strategically plan a thing that's down there instead of right here." You know right. what I mean? So it, it, yeah. it's it's a it's a fun idea more than it's actually practical. I think. Right. Because once you once you reorientate yourself, then you're not going down anymore. You're looking straight ahead. So it's, <laughs> you're not really going. Well, down. And then the other well, thing is, like all of those sequences, they still ended up showing us everything with it oriented where it's or is, side or side. Yeah. 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 So that was, yeah. Well, and I do know in the book, like Ender figured out that, you know, you're a much smaller target if you're feet first. So that tied into the down thing. Well, and also the idea that they would, they would actually freeze their own legs. Right. Tucked up against them. So that, yeah, as, as a shield. I I don't think they, and I can't remember exactly if this is how it is in the book, but I don't think, I think in the book they, they, and they do it in the movie where the idea is if I'm frozen with my arms out, I can still shoot. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he was, you know, he has the scene where he, you know, he's just happy to be out there fighting, but they have the thing where he's frozen with his arms and he's spinning around and he's still shooting people. And even though he's frozen and I thought they, they pulled that off. That whole uh, sequence yeah. once they pushed, when he and Petra pushed off and he picks up another gun and he's dual wielding and that's that just, yeah. that was just Beautiful. bliss. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. happy for him to have that moment where he <laughs> felt powerful. Yeah, I, I something I, well, I I might have said it earlier, but the idea that 
we were talking about Bonzo being small and that effect, the only thing that affected me was the, the idea that, you know, it's a progression for him. You know, they're ostracizing him. You know, they, they take the implant out and at the first school and they pretty much know he's going to get into the situation with the bully and how is he going to react to that? They wanted to see that. And then they keep doing things. So they, they knew that, you know, they have this progression of bullying and violence and getting that and the idea that, that, you know, it builds up to Bonzo and he's like the, the smallest, you know, he, he, in that respect, it did, it did sort of um, affect me negatively that, 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 that was the, the actor they chose, but um, more than that, just the, the one scene. And I, I you know, I, I, I like I said, the, the idea that, he, that Aza is, is just towering over the, the other actor and he's supposed to be the one that's being bullied. It, it didn't, didn't, didn't work as well as uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that that yeah. it did for, for Viv. But, well, I mean, uh, I, as the mother of sons, I come at it from a different viewpoint. I have a son that was very tall his whole life and had little kids come up and try to pick a fight with him who he has always been more peaceful and has always had to defend himself against little kids with chips on their shoulders. So it wasn't even a leap of thought for me. It was as I've seen happen in nature Mm -hmm. (laughs) with kids. (laughs) And so, um, you know, it wasn't, and I and I think that that's why it affects me differently than mm-hmm. like coming to it after 20 years later after I've had kids already and I've got kids that were in how many different potential war situations right now and and you know as the mother of as a parent of of sons you worry more about the draft than you do for for daughters because they haven't instituted a draft for daughters yet mm-hmm. and so it's just it's a scary thing this, the, the whole mind trip that it takes you on it's pretty scary to the point where it makes me wonder how far back because I don't think that they just used Ender I think that they honed him and shaped him even before we saw him on screen oh absolutely yeah. they did yeah I mean I, I mean they, they don't go into it so much in the movie but I mean that's a hundred percent true right in the book is it, I mean the whole reason he exists is because they 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 looked at um they looked at Peter and they looked at Valentine and they said wow these two parents got it almost right <laughs> twice yeah let's give them a third what's oh. the child that's brought up with these two siblings going to be like well, yeah Ender and, gets and, it too, so, and he says this is what I was born for right well yeah, out. and so here, here's the thing. One of the things that I was really worried that they were going to soften for the movie, and I'm so glad that they didn't, and that is Ender's fear of his own capacity for violence. Yeah. Now, I'll admit that right. we didn't get as much with Peter to be that contrast, but I don't know that we needed it because mm-hmm. we see it in Ender. Right. Because, like you know, the, the bully Stilson back on, on earth. I mean, and, and so many times, like even when, um, I like comes down to watch him play the mind game mm-hmm. yeah. and he, he dives yeah, into yeah, the yeah. giant's brain and, and kills him. You know, this is his friend who kind of looks at him and going, takes a step back. And literally yeah. got up off oh, of the car. Yeah, like, I'm going to go yeah. back. And I'm so, going to go back to bed now. <laughs> physically yeah. put distance between them. Right. And so I think that, um, 
I, I thought that they really played that well, this, this idea of um, he has this capacity for violence that he's, he's a little afraid of, but sometimes feels is, is necessary also, but he doesn't know what that does to him. But that actually just leads me into kind of what I was saying earlier in terms of there are some problematic things, I think, about the book, namely that the philosophy of the book seems to be that it doesn't matter what actually happens. It's only what your intentions were that matter. Mm. Because that's the whole thing with, with Ender over and over and over again is he ends up actually committing horrible, brutal things over and over. And I don't just mean the end, but right, right. every single time the story bends over backwards to say, but here's why he thought he was justified and therefore it's okay. Even when I think as a society, we want to say, you know what? Sometimes the ends don't justify the means. Yeah. And I'll even say that in, in the way that they executed the scene of Bonzo's execution, the shower mm -hmm. scene, like the way they did it was really masterfully done. Mm -hmm. and, and to the point where it was like you could see why Ender was so shocked at um, at, at Bonzo's mm -hmm. you know, fall and hitting his head because he was trying to just push he, him away. Well, right. And, and the way that, and I really caught, I kind of thought it the first time, but when we watched it the second time I watched for it, the way that he leans back against the sink and pushes with his feet is exactly the kind of technique they use in the battle room. So mm -hmm. he expected probably his motion reaction at this point after going through these, these things for a while is, okay, mm -hmm. now Bonzo's going to be way over there and we're going to have time to figure things out. It's right. like his, his muscle memory was just push him away and he'll bounce mm -hmm. off safely. But he realized that pushing him away was in a shower, not as mm -hmm. easy to shake off as in the battle well, room. And he was trying to get away. A Absolutely. Get the threat like we away. see him take advantage of Bonzo looking away to turn the, the temperature oh up on the shower and put soap on his shoulders yeah, that, so he's slippery. Was, yeah. That was the best part. I mean, this, yeah. the, the hot water was cool, but the soap on the shoulder mm -hmm. to slip out of, you know, the, a hold was really right. great. And his so, strategic mind is right. just terrifying. So I don't want to, I don't want to get want to get overcritical about it, but this is something that permeates kind of the whole series of books, you know, even past just this one, mm -hmm. just this idea of Ender ultimately commits genocide, but it's not his fault because they mm -hmm. lied to him. Right. He kills people brutally when it arguably it goes beyond immediate self-defense. Yeah over and over but it's not his fault because and 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 they and like they even go out of their way to like have him not even know that they die yeah right and, well, and they in the second book like he is so guilty but the, the the whole story is like trying to to he is acting so guilty but it's it's carefully calculated to be in this way that we it, it makes us want to say but no, Ender, it wasn't your fault. They lied to you. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I think at occasionally. Now, again, love the story. Very like, and so I'm I'm not trying to say, oh, it's awful. I'm just trying to say, it it's has complex. these elements that mm -hmm. you have to remember to think about sometimes. I think you have to take kind of a step back and say, 
you know what? This idea of, oh, I wanted to end all the fights that came after it does not justify repeatedly kicking someone on the ground after you've already struck them hard in the head with a sharp, heavy, pointy object. Right. right. That's not okay. Now, in the society they're in where they're training and want to be a military, you know, maybe that's what they're looking for. But I would have to say, if we're talking about a kid who's bullied, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Fighting back is one thing. Kicking him repeatedly on the ground so that he'll never bother you again. No, that's... He was playing the game at that point. To me, he, he showed several times, it was almost like watching... Survivor, where they talk about game strategy, where he knew that what they wanted from him was the ultra-violent response, Mm -hmm. but they also wanted him to have the compassion to feel guilty about it later. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think that the um, Earth government—I forget what they call it in um, this—you know, the United Governments of the World. Yeah, I don't. It like the hegemony. The hegemony. Hegemon. Yeah, that's that's when Peter takes over later. Yeah. It right? was all just yeah. In the book, yeah. there was three different factions, and this all we get is the Stratagos, Stratagos, right. Stratagos. Well, I heard him mention and, uh, the Hegemon. Oh, okay. At one point in the movie, but, but anyway, the international fleet. So, I mean, does anybody else feel like it wasn't just the international fleet that was fucking with Ender's mind? Because I feel like the fact that that when Ender has this vision of the young, the, the, the egg queen, the unhatched queen, the new queen, the next queen, the future Supreme or whatever, <laughs> um, that, you know, Diana Ross, that, um, I was thinking of Coven, American That's horror story, right. Coven, <laughs> but, um, but she's personified by Valentine. So the mm-hmm. formix, the, the formic queen or whoever we're saying projected these images into him. First of all, it wasn't, it wasn't like a cockroach or an ant or anything like that. To me, it looked almost like in his in the game, in the mind game, it looked almost like a fo- photo negative of like one of um, Giger's, Geiger's um, like alien sketches, the dark upon dark upon dark upon dark. She was like natural earth tones and white and kind of fuzzy and, and non-scary seeming. And and um, before that, it was the the thing that was drawing him was Wars Valentine because, of course, he loves his sister, and we see that time and time again. And so it seemed to me like they were projecting to Ender, what's something you, what represents love to you? Oh, Valentine. Oh, well, here, we're going to want you to protect our young egg queen. So here's Valentine. You're going to equate those two together. And then to me, the um, and I don't remember how it was in the book. I remember it took him a lot longer to get past that giant or whatever it was. It took him mm-hmm. a long time to get past that first game, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But it seemed like, you know, was that part of what the Formix did or was that part of what, you know, um, Anderson did? And, you know, it, was it purposeful that, you know, the giant that he had to get past was this old, you know, wizened white man, you know, kind of like he's the bad guy. So you got to find a way around him to save Valentine. And it just seemed to me like how much was the world fleet, the international fleet or whatever, right. I'm sorry, Chu, she called it. Mm-hmm. How much of it was them fucking with his mind? How much of it was the Formix fucking with his mind? Mm-hmm. How much trauma had he had piled on him from Peter from birth? And yeah. the compassion, mm-hmm. the never failing compassion and brutal truth from Valentine. 
and you know you throw into that that whole mix you know his parents who love him and asked for the exception to have a third child still saying you don't have to go if you don't want to and his dad admitting you know it was a lot easier in my day and I washed out so don't feel bad for you washing up which is what happens at one point in the film so mm -hmm. he had a very strong parental base he had unconditioning unconditional love and support from Valentine he had distracted unconditional love and support from his parents because Peter was allowed to beat on him that he was traumatized by his brother by his brother Peter because that happened in their home so you know it's like it just frustrates the hell out of me to wonder how much of this was like a manufactured perfect you know environment and people are old enough that mm -hmm. people have been testing for new pilots for decades now and you know it's just like how far did they go to create this perfect Ender, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it just really does. It fucks with my head real in a really bad mind game I, so, aspect. Graf and Anderson have got the conversation where she says it's it's between him and the computer and and the little tablet. It showed, you know, I remember what it said, mental interface or something. So um, I don't think that they put anything in the game because, like Graf was saying, put this in or take that out, and she says I don't have control over it. So I think that all was his subconscious and the queen mm -hmm. it was between them i don't think that was the if at all but yeah but yeah so Go ahead. um we have samuel sloan in the q a um who who says uh in the real world it is necessary uh, that once your foe is down you must ensure he stays down or you will spend the rest of your life looking over your shoulder and and i think that's that's true to a point but if we're talking about high school students and we got one high school student being bullied by another and we got a guy shoves him into a locker and the response is to what we know happens in the book is that he is beaten to death as right. a result right that's not appropriate behavior now not okay to bully in the first place no. and slam him into the locker but it's Obviously an inappropriate okay. response but yes, it's a disproportionate response. And certainly if we're talking about adults, I mean, it's like, okay, yes, if someone else throws the first blow, that's one thing. But the idea of self-defense does not extend to he was helpless on the ground and I yeah. continued kicking him until he was dead. Yeah. He will still go to jail for that. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you save the planet. <laughs> then yeah. you get to go roam the universe. So anyway, I, 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 I understand, I understand what Samuel is saying. And I yeah. think that's, it's true to a point too, because Sorry. I think it is also true that you can't always just give in. I, I don't, I'm not going to say that I think violence is never okay, because I think sometimes there's, you're, you're left with very few alternatives, Right. but I think the, the problem is even though it can be hard to know where to draw the line, it doesn't mean there's no line. Right. Right. It, and his, and I'm, I just want, I know I'm going on, but um, that was the thing I think that made it possible for him though, is the compassion for Valentine is that anytime he was able to make them into a, um, an underdog, then he felt fine bringing whatever fire he had to, to the fight. But, you know, so in his mind, and, and that's why it was, we knew, he knew he was being trained for this and all this stuff. And that at some point, if he was, you know, the one, if he was Neo, then, you know, the one, whatever, that it was going to end up in him, you know, 
hopefully doing a lot of damage, but the way they did sneak it up on him was rushed, and he didn't have time to find that excuse mm-hmm. to give himself to be able to sleep on his own. You know what I mean? It was like they didn't give him time to figure out how they were being be, being uh, saved by the big bully. They were the underdogs that were having to fight and win, so it was okay that they bent rules and did things that he didn't quite agree with. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's definitely some things that uh, compressing the time of the, you know, how old Ender is, you know, starts with him being 12 and, you know, you get the impression that it pretty much everything in the movie lasts over, a, you know, less than a year um, as opposed to six or seven years in, in the book. Uh, yeah, something I was going to say and Sam brought up is that, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in what you were talking about, Viv, is that you know there's genetic engineering going on as well, and and he was literally you know bred for, uh, for that as well. So, um, that was part of it. And Sam also says that uh, uh, first earlier statement that you were talking about, uh, Christiana, he was saying that he was speaking about it on a war front level, not so much the schoolboy bullying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in Ender response, it was applicable on the war footing. Well, and I can see that too, but I think we also have to look at this in the context of the final battle in this war. Ender points this out in his argument with Graf is, we got there and the Formix did not attack us. They were waiting to see what we would do. Maybe they were actually still going to be aggressive and they would have attacked us at some point. It's possible, but maybe we also could have just tried a little bit harder. Maybe we could have waited for a little while too. We could have said, let's try to talk to them given that they're not actually attacking us right now. And yes, there's some risk in that because of course you could potentially leave yourself vulnerable but as a result, what we did is we genocided a species that may or may not have actually intended to take us over. That may have just yeah. been defending themselves because, as they pointed out in the movie, there had been 50 years without another attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in the book, the they assumed we were not sentient beings because we didn't have a colony hive mind. Mm-hmm. So they thought we were essentially ants and they were just going to, you know, land in this planet and, right. and they I weren't like, really harming anything yeah. with a soul. Yeah. So did you guys think that it was too much of a giveaway for book readers when, um, when Rackham says, you know, when he, uh, they're about to do the big graduation battle and um, he said, okay, so now you're going to, well, there, there was one line that was, from here on out, you're always about to lose or something like that. And mm-hmm. then um, after this, Ender asked what he, what would happen after this. And he says, uh, um, then you'll deal with the real, the, then you'll deal with it for real if you're ready for it. And it was, as you find out, it was, that was the last thing. And he was going to be dealing with what he had done, which is what Rackham had done, mm-hmm. but not on a species, species, Scale, scale of a species. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't genocide. It was just the dudes that came to Earth. Um, and mm. I, I didn't get the sense that because I, I think he would have to kind of be like omniscient and, you know, have foreknowledge to have to really be saying, oh, by the way, once you do this, 
you're going to be called a genocidal maniac. Well, but when they didn't know he was going to wipe out the population, yeah, they I didn't they, know what this he whole was idea do. of using the little doctor on the planet was yeah. improvised on the spot. It was not, it was <laughs> not the, the, the strategy going in. Although you can't help but wonder, given how effective it was, why wasn't it? Right. Well, and it was it was, <laughs> it was an echo. It was an echo of what Rackham did initially, which was he just somehow acts, he saw where to go and he was able to get in there. Mm-hmm. The battle room, the whole goal was just to get one guy through. It doesn't matter if you lose everybody else as long as one guy gets through. And mm-hmm. then that's what they did for Petra was they gave her the room to be able to shoot the cannon yeah. or whatever the fuck well, it was. So that might've been it too, that they just, they, it was never part of the plan because they assumed they would never be able to get close enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Get the shot. There's one, well, and, um, sorry. Okay. There's one element that it's not that it bothered me, but it would have been nice to see. And I think, I don't know if it was a conscious choice based on the, the desire to stay away from the homophobia and the religious aspects of Orson Scott card. But the idea, you know, one of the things in the book is they really play up that religion isn't exactly a good thing in this future. Um, that, you know, there's a thing about Ender remembering that his mother uh, prayed over him when he was going to bed at night and that he always remembered that as being that sort of sacred thing between him and his mother. And that when you get it in the movie where Eli says Salam and explains it in the book, not that this was a, uh, uh, you know, a, a more than friendly thing, but in, you know, in the book he kisses him on the cheek when he says Salam and, um, you know, sort of, he, he Ender equates that also to, you know, not only did he, he didn't really understand what Salam was, but also that he equated it to this sacred trust that, you know, that, that Eli would actually say this to him because, you know, that it must be a religious thing and religion isn't uh, accepted uh, in this world anymore. So it was, you know, one of those things that I, I don't know if it was just eh, it's superfluous. It's not that important. You know, you get the idea that, you know, Eli, you know, does say salam and explains it to him and, you know, sort of shows that friendship, uh, don't need the religious more the, you know, the, the, the overall religious part of the story, uh, being in the movie since, uh, didn't need it. Um, or if it was a conscious, let's back off from anything that could be, you know, sort of tied to, to card or any sort of this controversy, mm. you know, that yeah, sort I assume it was just time-based. They had so many, yeah. things, you know, so many moving parts already and, and that I, even having that interaction was a nod to the yeah. book, a brief nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, but again, I really love the movie. Um, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised at some of the some of the reviews that I was reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think it would be good to talk to some people that haven't read the book and see how they enjoy the movie that, you know, we, we know and respect their opinions right. on things. Uh, one thing that, you know, Pip, Pip was very worried in, about mm. uh, Ben Kingsley. Um, I thought he did fine. I think his, his accent sort of slipped, you know, the first time they meet, you really get sort of a Maori, you know, New Zealand type uh, accent. But then after that, it, it sort of falls in and out a little bit, but I think that it was, you know, I, I didn't have any problems with yeah. him playing that character at all. Mm. One of the movie, uh, you know, I guess he said my father was Maori or something like that. And and I actually looked up 
um, in the book because I couldn't remember. He in the book Mazer is half Maori, right? So, so uh, he was not full on. So there was. Yeah, yeah I did like that. That the, 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 you know they said, oh, I, I did this for my father so that I could be speaker for the dead. You know, for you know, speaker for the dead. So I thought I liked that little homage or call to that, even though they probably will never make that movie. Um, so am I the only shouldn't. one that was that was getting the vibe from from Rackham that it was because I mean they they said at the beginning you know to to be able to defeat my victim I have to love my victim I have to know them or whatever what you know what I'm talking about that one yeah, line. yeah you know him well enough the, to defeat him you also love him yeah you have to you have to empathize and in in empathizing with your enemy you you have to learn to love them in order to truly understand them and defeat them. Mm-hmm. Which is what I think Rackham kind of backed into. I think he defeated them, and then when he defeated them, that was kind of when. Because I I took a lot more weight with his last interaction with Ender right before the graduation battle. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely think he understood better than any of the other adults, even even Viola Davis's character, what they were really doing to Ender, and yet yeah. he felt it was necessary nonetheless. Yeah. Well, and it, I mean, it would be hard for it'd be hard for Rackham to say, "Oh no, it wasn't." Yeah, it's you know, just do what you think is right, because then it would almost be like saying that what he had done by defy, by killing all these how did they say how many there were? Tens of thousands of of uh, bugger flyers over the, over Earth. Oh wow, there were like there, way there back was thousands there. they showed showed just on screen. Yeah, who, who knows how many there were elsewhere? Yeah. yeah. And they said millions, millions were killed, or millions of yeah. Humans were killed. Um, so, which movie do you did you like better, Gravity or Ender's Game? Hmm. <laughs> um, I think for me, Gravity, just because it did things that I felt like I hadn't seen before. Um, Ender's Game, I I thought was a good adaptation of a good book but it didn't feel groundbreaking to me mm-hmm. in the same way that gravity did. But that's, that's a preference thing. Obviously right. for me, it made me think a lot more about the book. It's made me want to go back and read the book again, because I'm wondering if there are just changes that were made in the translation. If there were things that I didn't pick up when I read the first time and then what, and then read Ender's shadow shadow pretty shortly after that. But there was a lot of, a lot more that I that I um, either missed or wasn't there. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in reading the book again. I don't know yet if I can choose which one of those babies I love more. <laughs> um, I don't know. What about you, PJ? I think when I walked out of the movie last night, I would have said Ender's Game, but yeah. in, in sort of ruminating and thinking about it, I think like if like 10 years from now, I think Ender's Game will probably be my, my favorite. But if yeah. I was looking at it from a, Oscar contender. I think yeah. that Gravity is a better movie, um, especially visually and, yeah. and sound-wise, and some of the things they did. You know. What um, about you, Chooch? But I don't know. Uh, right at this moment, I think I would say Ender's Game, but they're so different. But they are, yeah, for being as similar as they are. They were both really great. I, I do agree with Christiana. Okay. Gravity was definitely more groundbreaking for mm-hmm. sure. What about yeah, instead think... you say if you could see either movie, which one would you choose? They're both starting at the same time. You could afford them both. No time right. limitation. Which one would you see again? 
I've only seen Gravity once, so <laughs> I I saw <laughs> Gravity twice again. already, and and Ender's Game only once, so I would mm. probably see that again in that context. But yeah, um, I think I think maybe, and I sort of said it a minute ago. I think if you look at it ten years from now, I think Gravity is a movie sort of like Castaway, where you know it's a great experience to watch it, but I don't think I'm gonna own it and watch it over and over again. But I could see watching Ender's Game know, over and over, you know. I don't know if I can keep. Oh my god! I'll be dehydrated if I keep crying like that. My god, (laughs) it was rough. I remembered Kleenex the second time though. Thank God. (laughs) See, Sam had a couple more comments. Go ahead. So, first one was we at Slice of Sci-Fi put out two of our reviews for the film, and we gave it good ratings all around for the most part. Right. So, adding into more good stuff for us. He also said Gravity uh, would be his choice. Ender could have been more justified with a two-parter to get it all in fuller. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think they could have, as Christiana said earlier, I th- and Chooch as well. I think they could have done done it in one movie, just making some different choices mm-hmm. and not not feeling that rush, you know, of. Yeah. Then again, I I think there's I think there's increasing precedent to support the idea of being able to take one book and make make it into two movies. I mean, they did it with the last book of Harry Potter. They did it with the um, uh, you know, they're doing three movies for The Hobbit. Uh, they did it with the the Red last uh, Twilight book yeah. too, which I didn't see, but I know that they did the move, the, you know, the last book in two parts, right? Mm-hmm. So I I think there's increasing precedent for that, and audiences are showing that they're they're willing to to do that, and so I think that's an interesting idea that I hadn't fully considered. Um, I mostly didn't feel like I thought it was rushed or really missing anything critical except for that bit at the end. But it's certainly true that if they did it at two parts, there's an awful lot of additional stuff they could have covered that they mm-hmm. had to leave out just for time. Yep. Uh, well, I think we've hit everything we need to <laughs> for our spoiler uh, cast. Again, if you're watching, want to leave comments, we'll talk about them next time. But uh, uh, thanks, thanks for sticking around and listening all the way through, watching all the way through, and uh, we'll see you next time. Inspectorpedia.com presents consumption. Hey, everybody. Bye. Bye, Sam. Thank you for listening to specficmedia.com presents consumption. If you'd like to send feedback, questions, comments, suggestions, complaints, you can email us at consumption at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 704-981-1SFM. That's 704-981-1736. If you'd rather leave comments on our website, you can find posts for each show at specficmedia.com. This podcast is released under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial share alike, 3.0 unported license. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.